you know, I've been giving this a lot of thought. And I don't think there's any reason why this movie wasn't called Skullstorm. And welcome to a zero credit supplemental reading of 2018's Hurricane Heist, uh, directed by Rob Cohen. My name is John, as always. And I'm Hurricane Henry. And we're John and Hurricane Henry. Now, of course, for a supplemental reading, if this is your first time listening, this is where we uh, read or watch, mostly watch something that we consider to be important or just kind of whatever. <laughs> uh, really, that, that was the thesis to begin with, but I don't know where we're at right now. Uh, but we watch things and then we talk about them in their entirety. So you're either listening to this because you've watched Hurricane Heist or after this point, you're listening to it because you don't care if we spoil the cinematic masterpiece that is 2018's Hurricane Heist. The Hurricane Heist. Yes, the one and only Hurricane Heist. A movie we selected for this supplemental reading series for the sole reason that it has the same title font as the Fast and Furious movies. It was a real roller coaster, uh, not to be confused with Fast and Furious Turbocharged or Supercharged, which is not a roller coaster, but it is an amusement park ride. Uh, it was a real roller coaster picking this because we saw that it had the font treatment that the Fast and Furious had, and then upon closer inspection is in fact directed by the director of the first Fast and Furious movie, one Rob Cohen, who I believe we should say, kind of right at the jump of this podcast, seems to be a real grade A creep based on the information we have. Asia Argento has like come out against him, and she was one of the first people to come out against Harvey Weinstein. Uh, his children have come out against him for being an abusive monster. Rob Cohen, based on the information we have now, seems real bad. And so this supplemental reading will not be a celebration of Rob Cohen at all. Uh, we are going to discuss the work and we're going to ignore the man behind the work. While overall, probably in my opinion, just dragging this movie through the mud. Now, you didn't like this movie? Is that what you mean to tell me? John, I'm not going to get into whether or not I liked this movie at the top of the show. I feel like that, that would be rather crass. All I'm saying is, over my lifetime, I am 30 years old. Let's suppose I saw 10 movies a year over the course of my life. That would be 3,000 movies. And I can guarantee... All 3,000 of those movies were better than this movie. So I want to, since in all likelihood, people did not go out and watch Hurricane Heist if they're listening to this. I do want to give them a brief top level overview of a couple different things. So the plot of the movie, people want to steal old money because I guess when money gets old enough, it gets shredded by the Federal Reserve. Uh, a group of people led by Ralph Innocent, who's an incredible actor and what a shame, uh, have to break into the Federal Reserve and steal this money. And then they are thwarted by two storm-chasing brothers. Well, a storm-chasing brother and his mechanic yes. other brother, uh, both of which, who's, they lost their father to Hurricane Andrew, an actually real storm that hit in 1992, which was really odd for me who lived through that. 
Yes, a real, actual, devastating, uh, horrifying storm killed their father. Uh, by the way, Hurricane Andrew, famous for having giant screaming skulls inside of it. Um, <laughs> this, this is... I literally had to pause the movie, John, and I, I, I'm not. You can ask, you can ask Jamie, my wife. Uh, she, I don't normally like pausing things. I, in fact, hate it. I, I like to watch things all the way through. But when a literal skull popped up in the clouds of a hurricane, I had to pause to check the minute mark to to see how early into the movie they added that. And uh, it is exactly at four minutes and three seconds. Yeah, four minutes and three seconds in the movie, we get the skull storm. Uh, And just to kind of set the scene for who we're going to be talking about, I just want to talk about some of the characters Perhaps my biggest complaint with this movie, the two brothers, the two main characters of this, Will, much more of a of a protagonist main character. I'm, I'm sorry. Don't you mean Willie? Willie. Willie Rutledge, right? Rutledge? You caught last names? <laughs> I think it's Rutledge. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I try to. Um, I think his name's Will Rutledge and his brother, Breeze. And here's a real problem. Why not make the meteorologist brother named Breeze? <laughs> I honestly feel like it was switched and then somebody yeah, said it was way that? too on the nose. Way too on the nose. So then they're like, well, I'm not going to come up with a whole new name. So I'm just going to switch the two names. And uh, I do have to say I I went through 75% of the movie thinking his name was Reese. I had I thankfully had subtitles on for the entirety of the movie. Um I don't know if you noticed this in this movie, but subtitles were necessary for me because I believe that everyone in this movie was doing what I like to call a su- a southern American oh. a United States southern accent. However, they were like unbelievably bad to the point of essentially being a foreign language it it was uh so the movie opens up on the two young brothers fighting in in the uh the the saddle seat of a of a truck i don't know what to call that the cabin of a truck and i thought well surely the accents will get better when they get older uh but right now i can't understand a word they're saying and then a flash forward happens and lo and behold no, the accents never got better, and no one sounds like they're from the South. They sound like they're from a weird alien place where people sound like that. Yeah, they're they're from like a, a fake version of the South. Also, we're going to talk about more characters, but as we've discussed, the primary motivating factor for the two main characters, Will and Breeze Rutledge, is that their father was killed during Hurricane Andrew. And I do want to say... Props to the uh, writer of this movie. Uh, let me... I think I had his name up. Hold on. I'll bring it up later uh, for another fact. But the writer of this movie, fantastic screenplay. Moments before their father is killed by Hurricane Andrew. Of course, Young Breeze says, Don't worry, nothing can hurt Dad. <laughs> their dad is killed by... What seems to be a silo on its side rolling through the countryside thanks to the wind. Uh Uh-huh. And 
I've got issues with that, but then I also have issues with the house that they're in gets literally lifted off the ground and then like disintegrates in the air. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen hurricane force winds or a house be destroyed by hurricane force winds, John, but houses tend to implode when you mess with their, their, their foundational structure, they don't get lifted up as if it was the wizard of Oz. Yeah. I I don't (laughs) think hurricanes are really after a house's foundation. Uh, The, the thing about hurricanes is just once the wind gets in, it's kind of over for the house. Uh, But that's not really, they don't get lifted up. They, they don't do uh, the plane in the dark night rises. Right. They don't do that. And if they did do that, the odds of those two young boys surviving that, I feel like would be very, very slim. And yet they were fine. They were Uh, fine the whole time. I also want to point out, sorry, this opening scene made me so mad because they get to that uh, clearly evacuated house, but there's still food on the table. And like... No one's going to evacuate with food on the table because the thing about hurricanes is we can track them and we know where they're going to go. So if people are going to evacuate, they would have done so a couple of days in advance. They wouldn't leave dinner on the table. Yeah, like no one, no one, I think, uh, I'm kind of of two minds about this, but I don't think anyone in a position of power in this movie had really been through a hurricane because do they think it works that you're like eating dinner and then there's like an evacuation signal? Like a serious problem with hurricanes is getting enough people to evacuate period because you give them like days or weeks notice. Right. Right. Like, so it's not like they were eating dinner. Then they were suddenly like, Oh, we should evacuate. No, yeah, absolutely. That's not what happens. And there will be more gripes I have. Um, but just like this opening scene, this this opening scene maybe takes five to six minutes to actually transpire. And it's just so bad that it just left a sour taste in my mouth. Now, structurally, story-wise, I get why they did it. You want to yeah, set no, up a- it totally makes sense. It's kind of trite, but it makes sense. It's Yeah, it sets up the dynamic between the brothers, who will be our main characters throughout this escapade. And we see, you know, the force of nature that is going to, of course, be in the movie, because it's in the, the title of the movie. Like, we see hurricanes. And, of course, if you're going to make a movie about a hurricane, you need a character to have, or two characters to have like a, an emotional connection to the hurricane or hurricanes in general. Otherwise it's like, what are we doing here? And so you set up that emotional connection to the hurricanes with the loss of the father. You see like, you know, okay, these two brothers might, they might be at odds when we see them next because, you know, they were kind of at odds in that scene and it was kind of one of their faults sort of one blames the other for the father's death. So it's like, all right, we're going to see them this this dynamic we're gonna work with this so like all of that set up it's all passable and good i get why it's here i just don't like the details yeah uh, and this is something we're gonna keep coming back to as 
two people uh, who are from the South and have lived through uh, some of the worst hurricanes. of the. I mean, we've lived through like all of the worst hurricanes of the last 30 years to hit that particular part of the United States. Uh, but moving on with characters, we have C- Connor. Who yes, is C- Connor, who is the best actor in the, in the film. Yes, one Ralph Innocent. You might recognize him from films such as The Witch or being in Game of Thrones. I recognized uh, him from Game of Thrones. I forgot he was in The Witch. Yeah, Ralph Innocent is a fantastic, like a truly amazing actor. And clearly, his character is Scottish. One of the first lines he has, like not Scottish, Irish. One of the first lines he has like refers to his Irish ancestry. I'm like, just for the love of God, could you have let this very skilled English actor be irish because it would have been a lot better than him pretending to be southern it was i don't think clearly this movie didn't have like a dialect coach or anything but there was no one there to like tell them how to say things there was yeah i don't know they clearly didn't care about the quality of performances which is a shame to see for someone who's like a genuinely good actor like ralph Innocent. You know, sometimes actresses have to take gigs to make ends meet. And uh, um, I'm not saying that he did this, but maybe he did that. I mean, to be honest, Ralph Innocent has been in some real, real garbage. So I don't know. He's just very good and it's a shame. And then we have, let me see. I actually have to pull up character names now. Cassie. Yes, Cassie Corbin. Cassie Uh, Corbin, who... I want to call her another protagonist, but it's really difficult. I I don't understand what Cassie's deal was. I How do you classify a character whose first literal action we see in the film is ramming cars who are trying to evacuate out of the way so then she can plow through tobacco fields and ruin a farmer's harvest? Just for the sake of delivering old United States currency to be shredded. Yeah, listen, we our job is really important. We need to shred this money, so we need to permanently we need to permanently disable uh, the vehicles of three people who are trying to evacuate and ruin a farmer's livelihood to do it. You don't understand. This is important. So. I struggled a lot with the character of Cassie because it seemed like, honestly, from the plotting, I had no idea where this film was going. It seemed like she was going to be the, you know, the the antagonist that we rub against while we root for the people trying to do the heist. Like, if it's called the Hurricane Heist, I walked into the movie assuming we were going to watch, like, you know, nefarious types or, or ne'er-do-wells or lovable rogues. Uh, plan out a heist to to pull off during a hurricane, and so I thought she was going to be, you know, like your paladin type, your 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 tough but fair kind of, you know, end boss that we have to beat. But then the movie keeps following her as though she's not an obstacle, but someone to root for, which was really weird considering the literally the first thing we see her do is render three families unable to escape this hurricane with no repercussion. I mean, we see that hurricane later. It's bad. It's the mother of all hurricanes. Those people are dead. 
Yeah, she, she is sentencing three families to death now, for the sake uh, of, of shredding old bills. But the movie kept trying to be like, no, 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 you're supposed to care about her. Well, she had this whole thing where, I, I don't know, maybe I missed the, the resolution of this, but it seemed like she was very intent on doing her job to shred this money. But it, I don't know that it was really explored why she was so intent on doing that job well. Cassie Corbin as a character is super fascinating to me because this is a great example of going through all the motions to set up your character. You know, you you, you had them be very bold in their first scene and they make a decision and they there's, you know, it's a, it's a decision that other characters won't make. So you set her up to be like this bold character and then you kind of give her a spotty past. She's like, there's the situation in Utah. I made a bad decision and people lost their lives. And so you give them like a a, a sordid past, a troubled past. These are elements that make good characters. But then you never reveal what the situation in fucking Utah was and who died. So it's just words being said in an empty vacuum attached to nothing. Much like the rest of her character is attached to literally nothing. And so by the end of the film, it's like, why were you even here? Yeah, I I truly don't understand kind of the existence of her character. I liked that the movie was endearing us to her and then it just stopped doing that. Uh, what could are, possibly uh, happen in Utah? Uh, not much. Maybe there was like a cult out there. I don't know. Maybe a there's, cult. Maybe a there's cult. salt flats. What could happen in Utah? I truly don't know. Is she FBI? Is this like the in the Marvel movies where they're like, ah, Budapest? B- Budapest, yeah. This is this is her Budapest, where it, it, you know, and you see this in spy thrillers all the time. When two spies meet up, they always make reference to like a foreign city with a situation that they, you know, that it shows a shared past, and they, they that's where they they form their trust for one another. Yada yada yada. But she's Except doing this. this. It just it, it it's just one per- it, it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's one person with a tragic backstory that we never actually get, even when there's a moment to share it. She 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 makes reference to Utah twice. Once to her supervisor person whose name I don't remember. Macron? That's not it. Wait, Moreno? Moreno. Yeah. She she brings it up with Moreno and she brings it up again with Willie uh, Rutledge. And the second time with Willie Rutledge, I was like, all right, cool. Finally, we're going to find out what happened in Utah. You know, I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm like, I'm ready to feast down on these details. But she says the same exact thing that she said to Moreno. At some point, this movie seemed to uh, fully lose its desire for storytelling, which is a shame considering it's a screenplay writer when Carlos Davis wrote a book about J.R.R. Tolkien and... uh, Hold on. Somebody else thwarting the Nazis, apparently. Oh, well, that sounds pretty awesome. I'd love to check out the book. It's called No Dawn for Men. Oh, okay. Bad title, but okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. But those are four kind of principal characters. Um, I would like to carve out a little bit of time here since we did mention the accents uh, to play a quick game with you. I am here to play a game. Now, we don't typically play games on supplementary. They're all serious business. Um, But I would like to play a game of Guess the Nationality. All right, I'm here. I'm here to play the game. Now, am I guessing the actor or the character? Uh, the actor. So you're going to guess the uh, the nationality of an actor based on their performance that they gave you in Hurricane Heist and you're whatever gonna, other movies you might have seen them in. You're going to have to skip Willie. I'll have to skip him? I know he's Australian. Okay. Well, I'll start with an easy one. Okay. Ralph Innocent. Okay, yeah, he's Scottish or Irish. Well, he's English. Close. He's, he's English. Okay. Uh, Ed Birch, he played Frears the Hacker. I want to say he's um, American. Hold on. Uh, Nailed it. He is, in fact, American. Okay, yeah. Because he had an accent in the film, but it didn't seem like he should. Uh, As we discussed, uh, Will Rutledge, Toby Kebbell, is, in fact, English. He's not Australian? Uh, Ryan Quanton, who played Breeze, guess the nationality. Is he Australian? Because I'm getting he is Australian. Okay, I knew one of them was Australian. Uh, Ben Cross, who played Sheriff Dixon. Oh, he's he's straight up American. English. What? Uh, Christian Contreras. Who did he play? Moreno. Spanish. Hold on. Of some yeah, Hispanic. Uh, Belize. Okay. La- Latin X. How do you pronounce that? L- uh, let's see. And oh, Maggie yeah. Grace playing Cassie Corbin. Oh, she's a uh, Swedish. She is actually American. So these people, for the most part, can be forgiven for not understanding what a uh, United States Southern accent sounds like. Yeah, I guess I... Then just don't do the accent. Half of them don't have to be from the South. Really, they don't. People who work for the Treasury don't... It's ridiculous. A lot of people in the South don't even sound Southern. However, there's a bonus round to guess the nationality. Okay. And I like to call it guess the nation. What is... Okay, explain the rules. Uh, Guess the nation is where you, after watching the hurricane heist... Uh, you guess the country in which it was filmed. Okay, so I'm going to rule out America for sure because there's no coastline in America that looks like the coastline they drove down. Uh, so I'm going to say Vancouver-ish. Like, Canada is the nation. Oh, Canada is a really good guess, actually. A lot of films, when they can't film in America, film in Canada, it tends to be cheaper, and there's a greater diversity of landscape. However, you would be wrong. Okay. The Hurricane Heist. Filmed in its entirety, multinational cast in Bulgaria. Bulgaria? Really? Yes, Bulgaria, home of... uh, I don't know a lot about Bulgaria. I don't know anything about Bulgaria. I knew it was in America because there's no coastline in America that looked like... There were mountains in the distance. 
of this coastline of the supposed American South. And there's no mountains anywhere near the coastline of the American South. Yeah, not even close. I don't even know. We can't get in. We almost can't get into critiquing the geography of this movie since we are from the region in which it takes place. Yeah, we're not going to do But it's very that. wrong. I do. If we have time right now, I do want to address one huge thing. Oh, please. And we talked about it. We touched on it before we, we started the, the episode. Hold on. My vodka bottle cap fell. All right. I got it. At the beginning of this movie, it says, you know, Hurricane Andrew 1992. And I'm like, all right, cool. Location cards. Totally down with it. I get it. Andrew is a real hurricane. The devastation was was real. It was like widespread. The, the hurricane did a loop-de-loop around the entire American South. Like it, it hit pretty much every coastal state it could. Makes sense. The next location card, however, said Gulfport, Alabama. Fascinating choice. Super fascinating choice because I, for those of you who don't know – Gulfport is a real city. It's in Mississippi, a state that I have uh, – my heart is very connected to. My wife is from Mississippi. I spent six years of my life in Mississippi. It's a good state full of okay people. It gets passed over a lot in weather reporting for some reason – they yeah. just they refer to it as the landmass between New Orleans and Mobile, Alabama. And so it feels particularly egregious to pick an actual city from Mississippi and to place it in Alabama for seemingly no reason. Did they think it was Gulf Shores? I'd, like there's even a moment at the National Weather Service in the first 15 minutes of the movie, which to be clear, they make the National Weather Service look like the counterterrorism unit in 24 <laughs> in this movie. They like, really, <laughs> the National Weather Service looks like a call center. Like it doesn't, it doesn't look like a set from 24. Uh, the National Weather Service, like it has a whole cast of characters and like people that we think we're going to care about. And then they're never, they're, they're seen one more time just to say, man, that character really was right to say that this storm was going to be real bad. And then that's it. Why yeah, are I they wish, there? Th- these characters had a whole thing. One of them was on a diet. <laughs> like, yeah, these characters clearly had a thing going on. I would have been happy to have seen more of them. Real weird, real re- weird move. However, I'm just going to say, if you're going to set, Your hurricane-based movie in the South, just make up a town. You don't have to steal the name of a town and then put it in a different state for some reason. Yeah, and like, if you're gonna take a real name of a town, don't then write lines like, there's only one mall in Gulfport, a city with no malls. Yeah, it... So, obviously, there's a lot of missing uh, earned life experience from the people who wrote this movie. Uh, but I did want to say, in the National Weather Service scene, they say that it's going to hit somewhere between Louisiana and Alabama. And let me tell you, there's only one place between Louisiana and Alabama, and that's Mississippi. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an entire state. It's, it's Did the they joke. not look at a map? I know. 
And, and like, it, there's such a history of Mississippi being the butt of jokes and all this and all this and that. It's just like, you could have just set the movie in Mississippi. Why'd you choose Alabama? Yeah, you could have set it in birthplace of Elvis, kind of. Mississippi's got a history. Don't don't be afraid of putting your movie there. Uh, but ridiculous. true, So ridiculous, in fact, that the people who wrote the description for the hurricane heist on Netflix got confused and said that it takes place in Mississippi. Yeah, and, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to watch it in the first place. I got really, really mad at the movie when it placed it in Alabama because I promised my wife, hey, look, let's watch this movie where, you know, from the state you're from. And uh, turns out, no, no, it wasn't. And then she was really mad at me for the rest of the hour and 42 minute runtime. But I mean, you can, it's basically in Mississippi, there's mountains. You never once see the ocean. <laughs> all, the, all the great trappings of Mississippi, mountains, you never see the ocean. Apparently the sheriff can call for a mandatory evacuation it doesn't have to go through any higher levels of government? What? You you know the thing we've all been through when the ther- the sheriff gathers us all in the square and for- forces us to evacuate? The fuck? I don't want to get too into why it's absurd. I don't want to get into the errata of this movie. If it's only a category to hurricane... You might call a mandatory evacuation, sure. You wouldn't call it the day that it's going to hit. Yeah, evacuations happen far in advance. Also, this hurricane does not follow anything even close to like a like a hurricane timetable. Like no. obviously, I mean I get it. Will knows more about hurricanes somehow, so he's able to predict it's going to be like a a category 5 before everyone else does, but like I don't know the in that way that the film portrays hurricanes. I don't really agree with. I will say if we are talking about the character of the hurricane, lifting the house up and turning it inverted, not accurate. Also, like if, if you want to talk about a hurricane being dangerous, hurricanes are dangerous because they make small objects go really fast. Right. Uh, It's just, you rarely see that in this movie. It's the same reason why why dogfights in space are very dangerous. Like, if you hit something, there's going to be sharpnel or shrapnel. Shrapnel? What's the word? Shrapnel. Shrapnel. And that can slice through, you know, a vessel in space. The Expanse does a really good job of that. Small things moving at high speeds are dangerous. Think of bullets. Think of a hurricane as having unlimited bullets flying through the air at all times and some of those bullets are made of ice that it brought with it it's called hail it brings its own bullets to the gunfight like hurricanes are a a, a huge force to deal with and this movie only covers about half of what they do and of course quick shout out to an anime there's an anime called planetess that's about people who collect garbage in space and it starts with a, a single nut that was ejected when someone was fixing a space station uh slicing through uh, a commercial space plane and killing everyone on board so like small objects are way more dangerous than big objects right but like right. the the whole thing that makes hurricanes dangerous is it's basically like a side 
from the wind it is like standing in a gunfight like you said so it didn't show that but i will say it's in terms of like movies that have portrayed large dangerous weather systems i think this movie actually does a pretty good job of making you feel like a hurricane is happening like it gives it that weird gray pall the wind does seem truly bad and destructive no, yeah, so the, like the, credit where credit is due, the hurricane did seem like a scary thing. The color correction, or not correction, but the coloring of the movie was really well done because everything was gray. Yeah, because when is, you're a hurricane, it's like color got sucked out of the world. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Like everything seems gray. It's it's dark forever. The wind is more dangerous than the rain. So in, in some places where like they're walking through. They're like, they're having trouble walking, but it's not raining. I'm like, absolutely, because it's not raining 100% of the time during mm-hmm. a hurricane. It's it's honestly the wind that is the most dangerous thing. Um, that being said, <laughs> there's just so much inconsistency between settings. Like, in some places, it seems like, holy shit, the storm is hitting but then they pan to another place nearby and it's like, oh, nothing's happening. What's yeah, it, what's going on? It I never truly understood where anything was really happening in this movie, uh, except for when things were, of course, happening in trucks. Uh, but anything other than that, I really did not know what was happening. It, I, it feels like the first 80% of this movie is just set up for the last 20% of this movie, which is the big truck showdown, which was we're going to talk about later. And I think it was actually a shining moment for the film. But you're absolutely right in that it's impossible to pinpoint where we are in this seemingly small town. Because we see like the town square with the sheriffs evacuating people. And we see, you know, all the line of cars going through that town square. So that's the center point. But then we see this garage and like that's another point. And then the Federal Reserve Building, which seems to be far away sometimes, but then really close at other times. Because when Cassie is running away from it, she runs away on foot and ends up in the center of town. So that seems closer but then we go back to the garage and it's the garage is still standing when we saw like another building be torn apart by wind in that moments before. Where is anything located next to each other? Yeah. And this movie also has the, the world's smallest federal reserve building and the world's largest mall. The yeah. mall seems cavernous. The mall seems like it has three stories, which, you know, I guess if Gulfport only has one mall, it's got to be pretty big. The funny thing is that there's a mall in Biloxi. It's called the Edgewater Mall. And I, I'm pretty sure it's one story. So, like, you can have a one-story mall. Yeah, the the weird CGI mall. Very, very fake, very weird. And also, like, I don't know. We're, I think we might jump all over the pa- the place now. But, like, the... Did you also feel like when they were first raiding the Federal Reserve Building, like the it seemed weird that they were using tranquilizer guns? Like it seemed like it was added after the fact. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I want to. Yeah, 
The tranquilizer guns make no sense in the grand scheme of what they're talking about. Uh, in the grand scheme Considering of what how many with. people they end up killing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, so at first they take over the entire the entire facility without killing a single person. They trank everyone. They put them all in a cage. And, uh, you, you know, um, the girlfriend of Connor, I assume they have a relationship, um, says something like, one of these days you're, you're going to have to learn. You have, you're going to have to kill somebody uh, to get what you want or something. It's like, okay. So he doesn't want to kill people. But then, like, not even an hour later, they're worried about Breeze because he's brought in to fix the generator. And Cassie and Moreno and other people have say that they're going to want no witnesses. So as soon as they get what they want, they're going to kill everyone. So then why did they trank people? Yeah, why did they tranquilize anyone if this was the plan all along? Just, I don't know. At first I was like, did they change it to tranquilize your darts because they wanted a lower rating? But that obviously wasn't the case because it was like written into the movie. And then they just straight up kill a bunch of people later. Yeah. Uh, it, it just seemed very weird. And then like, I don't know, Bree is showing up. His What his character was doing made no sense. The way people interacted with him made no sense. No character like talked like a human being in this entire oh, movie yeah. at all. And, and like what I said at the beginning is like, okay, you're setting up these brothers to be at odds with each other. They're going to hate each other. But then they don't hate each other that much. It doesn't, doesn't take a lot for them to work together. Yeah, it seems like somewhat grudging and then they're kind of right back at it. Yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it, it feels like that scene where Breeze shows up in the boat to rescue Willie off of the Dominator. What an incredible be, sentence to be able to say. <laughs> it seems like that's supposed to be this really big turning point, this really big moment. But, like, they've been kind of worried about each other and working to help each other out the entire time. So it doesn't really have, like, a cathartic feeling yeah, no just catharsis whatsoever. In fact, Willie Freeze Breeze. Willie Freeze Breeze. And then, like, there's a whole other scene between Willie and Cassie where they don't say Breeze's name at all. Wait, is that the scene where they talk about turning the Dominator into a car bomb? Yes. Does that happen? No. Why do they go get the fertilizer? <laughs> to, sh- to show off? The giant wave that hits? I guess. <laughs> what a waste. What a, okay. Let's what a talk waste about, of a scene. <laughs> I'm focusing on the hurricane. Let's talk about what's happened in this town. A church steeple gets ripped off by wind. Uh-huh. Water destroys a plant shop. And it raises so high that they can't even... They have to swim through it. And so that it, destroys half of it. Half of the town is underwater. It, like, drowns the town. Which, like, if you're on the coast, it's not like you have a lot of hills. So, like, if you have flooding that's that high, you would probably assume that all of the city is underwater at that point. The Federal Reserve Building is undamaged throughout. Completely undamaged. Completely undamaged. And then the part that really, really hurts. John, their plan was to load up all of the money and escape in the eye of the storm. Yes. Which is just unfathomable for so many reasons. One, you don't know when the eye's going to hit. 
Two, you don't know if the eye think- is going to be following a road you can follow. It's it. Yeah. What? And yeah, three, like the, the idea is the eye of the storm would perfectly like track a major highway that yeah. would be congested due to the mandatory evacuation. Insane. And three, just because the air conditions are perfect during an eye doesn't mean the road conditions are. Like, if something major happened, like a city flooding, the eye would stop the wind and the rain, but the flood water would still be there. In this movie, the eye... I, I don't even know how to put this. There, so, Nothing is wet. Nothing is wet during the eye scenes. It doesn't even look like it rained. It doesn't even look like there's any damage. The eye just cured everything. Oh, in the eye scenes, the special effects people can take the day off. Yeah, it, multiple times, Willie says, like, the eye is like a perfect day. That doesn't mean that nothing happened before. It doesn't mean that the roads aren't ruined. Also, like, hurricanes move about 15 to 20 miles per hour. The eye of a hurricane is usually about 20 to 40 miles uh, in diameter. So, like, you could, like, go... Also, they're going way too fast, by the way, during the last scene to, like, actually stay in the eye because hurricanes move really fucking slow. Yeah, they do. Uh, But... Imagine you like were able to creep along at 20 miles per hour, perfectly keeping up with the eye. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous to even say, but like creeping along at 20 miles per hour, perfectly keeping up with the eye. If anything happened to you, you'd have at most an hour to deal with it before you'd be killed. Right. Because one thing that they get right is that the eye wall is. It's more ferocious than the first part of the storm. Like, it's stronger. It's where all the winds are are, are collecting. So I, they got that somewhat okay. Yeah, that, that but like, I don't know. I will give this movie props, though, uh, for a movie that I thought was pretty retrograde in its thinking. It's very adamant that climate change is real. Oh, yeah. There's a whole... Oh, yeah, there's a whole good, like, five minutes that uh, Willie is just like, this is the result of climate change, and we're... They have a Cat 5 now, but what's it going to be in the future? Cat 6? Cat 7? Yeah, that's definitely a saving a saving point for the movie, to be like, people are just making the hurricanes worse, man. Yeah, um, even though, like, the movie hates feelings and loves football, it does believe that climate change is real, so... It's like one of the least problematic relatives you could have. I mean, let's not give it too much praise. Even Birdademic and Birdademic 2 has global warming at the time uh, messages in it. So, you know, I'm just trying to give the movie credit where I can. I, uh, you can, you can, you absolutely can. I'm sorry. It, it deserves it. It deserves a, a little bit. I don't know. There were parts of this movie that I did enjoy. I, so one thing. Yeah. Okay. Parts we enjoyed. Definitely. Um, the whole climbing the tower to stop the uh, the hack part and bringing the tower down. With the oh, wings. no. Wait. Hold on. We have to jump back to things I didn't like if we're talking about climbing the tower to stop the hack. I like I, that sequence. 
No, that sequence was good. I hated everything about that hack and the characters oh. who were doing it and the absolute they didn't even try to make techno gibberish garbage they straight up made up words yeah they're like oh did you try the f- frog twizzle wait hold on i think i have a note about this somewhere and then at the end they so the whole thing they needed the tower for was to decrypt a password that seemed like it was 32 numbers, anywhere from one to a hundred. And they stop right before the last one because the tower topples over. And at the end, they're like, if we pass through a Fibonacci sequence and use exponentiation, we can increase the likelihood of guessing the last number. It's like, it's just from one to a hundred. Like, unless there's something on that computer that locks you out after a certain number of attempts, you could just try it a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, you could, and it would be faster than trying to wait for, or faster than trying to get the uh, the tablet back. But yeah, so the line that I wrote down, there were two. One, uh, the, the, the girl that um, the, the guy hacker is with says, like, we hacked that shredder weeks ago. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> How did you hack <laughs> a shredder weeks ago? But then the guy says something. That shredder's about... been sending emails for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the guy says something, something, something monitors wormholes. And it's just like. It's so bad. What? <laughs> also, they're, t- they're talking about passing the Fibonacci sequence through something. It's like. How in the world does the Fibonacci sequence increase the likelihood of you guessing anything? Oh, because it's so the next dumb. number. It's the next number. Okay. But the the sequence, uh, not, not the reasoning behind, but the sequence of going up to the tower and winching it down while shooting people and blowing things up. I really liked. I really enjoyed that. Like, if you're going to be an action movie, give me the action. And that was absolutely, like, the first real action set piece of the movie. Yeah. Something that really rubs me the wrong way about this movie is when it decides to do action, it does it, like, admirably well. Like, it's a reverse Bloodshot, (laughs) where Bloodshot was, like, kind of an okay but interesting movie with phenomenal action, where this is a... Uh, a movie of a certain quality where the action is like pretty good, like action of yeah, on par with like an early Fast and Furious movie. It, it, it felt to me like it wanted to just not hit like the Fast per- Five or anything, but like you know some of the shootouts. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt to me like it wanted to hit the ground running and like just keep going because like it, it's a movie where if you you blink and you, you miss it, suddenly the heist is happening. And it's like, oh, I thought we were going to see the setup of the heist. Oh, no. The heist is the bad guys, not the good guys. Like, And it throws that kind of twist at you. And it's just like, go, go, go. But then there's just so many slowdowns in between that it's just like you want it to be a go, go, go action movie. But you forgot to be action-y. Yeah, like the for a movie that does action so relatively well, there's so much inertia to getting to that point like if we're talking about things we liked about the movie the final truck sequence 
kind of ruled anything truck related. Like when they were all jumping onto the truck and sometimes they missed it. So they're like feet were dragging and they had to like make their way up the convoy. Cool. Very cool. The yeah, last no. truck fight, like when they made the red dog Omaha 22 thing real and they actually did the play using trucks. I was like, if the rest of the movie approached it with this sensibility, this would be a fine movie. It honestly felt like a movie that was written with that final truck scene in mind, but then they worked backwards to get there, which I get. And like, that's absolutely like how you would do that. But that final truck scene kind of like saved a lot of the movie. Like it was, it was well executed. It was high octane action. It, 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 it took fast and furious stuff to another level because now you've got the environment also playing a role. You've got, the eye wall chasing behind them to raise the stakes. Like, and you're using semi trucks, which we all know is the most dangerous thing in the Fast and Furious universe. Yeah, the stakes have never been higher. I mean, honestly, this movie's not going to get a sequel. It was a massive box office failure, rightfully so, for a lot of reasons. But, like, the idea of making a film series, which is The Fast and Furious plus The Day After Tomorrow or whatever. Like Fast and Furious plus Natural Disasters is really good. It's yeah, absolutely. a really good idea. And they should have they should chase that that sort of inclination. They just need to do it in a better way. They tried too hard to make us care about the characters. They should have Mad Max Fury Roaded it and just went full on truck chase with cars the entire time. Or, sorry. Truck chase with hurricane for the entire time. Yeah, I mean, if if Justin Lin decided to direct this movie, we'd have a real hit on our hands. I mean, it's obvious why he didn't. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if he directed like the if he stole this idea from us and was like, oh, I can just make my own movies. They're fast and furious, but with storms. Okay, cool. Uh, I would not begrudge him for that. And I would be uh, glad to have contributed to the canon of history. I do want to say, though, there is a small, smallest, the smallest thing that I have a problem with with the final truck scene. Oh. So those trucks are going and they chase after them. Like they, they, they lie and wait for them. This is their plan. They plan this. And so uh, I, I keep that in mind. This is their plan. They knew nothing from the time that they were lying and wait, waiting for the trucks to pass to the time where home, um, uh, homeboy, um, the time from the wait, time they're like, hold on the time they're lying and wait to the time where it comes for breeze to jump on the truck. Yes. This was all their plan. Nothing went awry. They didn't have a plan to put like a brick or a rock on the accelerator to yeah. make sure the truck was still the tow truck was still going fast enough to keep up with the the 18 wheeler that they never thought he's a mechanic they never there's no cruise control they never thought he didn't think of anything unbelievable that they wouldn't have at least used cruise control unthinkable unthinkable that's my only gripe because no, it, I, it wasn't like – sorry. No, go ahead. Well, it wasn't as though they had to adapt at the last second. I would have I would have excused 
the horrible final jump with the legs draggling on the ground. I would have excused that if like they had to adapt last second. But no, this was their this was their plan. Yeah, their plan was we'll jump on the truck and then we'll get other trucks, but we didn't actually think about, oh, when you, the driver, have to climb out of the truck and wait, slow down. Yeah, I, I, a brick. I would have taken a brick or like a rock, something in the truck, a toolbox. A shoe, anything. A shoe, yeah. A way to wedge down the accelerator. I would have taken that. I would have accepted that, no questions. The now rest I, the rest plays I, out really well. So I, I do want to give them that credit. I do personally have my own gripe with the final truck scene. Please, please. I, I just went on for 20 minutes about my gripe. You can have an, another 20 minutes. So now this is where, I don't know, my, my recollection of this movie gets a little bit fuzzy. But Cassie is in a truck with a bad guy who has like, who's mean to women. He's, I don't know, his brother got killed. Uh, Connor killed his brother. And I think she eventually ends up killing him because like the, the truck goes up in the air and then she like grabs a gun and shoots him. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. So the truck goes up in the air and she shoots him. My concern, and I'm sure that she's a very capable federal agent, but she grabs a P90 from the air, loads the very unusual horizontal P90 cartridge into it perfectly and shoots him. I feel like people would typically be pretty confused by the the unusual design in the Belgian P90. Am I wrong? I do not know enough about guns to comment further. It's like, you know the magazine in any gun that we it goes typically... In the- it goes in the grip. Yeah. The the magazine in a P90 is it's like long and horizontal and you like slide it into the top. Uh, I don't know. Maybe P90s are like all over the place for Federal Reserve Guards or whatever she is. Maybe that's what happened in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in Utah is... She failed to correctly load a P90 and a lot of people died. So many people died. I think it's Belgian. I'll have to look that up later. P90? Yeah, the P90. Uh, yeah, Belgium. Okay, you nailed it. it. You nailed got it one. Anyway, we figured out that the truck scene's actually no good because uh, <laughs> they didn't because there wasn't a brick and someone knew how to use a gun. I, I really like the truck scene. I think their plan is really solid. Like their plan is to take over the the, the last two trucks. Figure in that O'Connor. That's not his name. Just Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, don't be confused. His ancestors were O'Connor, but he is just Connor. Isn't Paul Walker's character in Fast and Furious and O'Connor, or is it just Connor? Uh, I think it's Connor. Oh, shit. I don't remember. Figuring Connor would be in the first car. Um, so I'd like their no, plan. No, O'Connor. Act- I think it's O'Connor. Brian O'Connor. Brian O'Connor, well, yeah. I'll look it up, yeah. Figuring that um, Connor would be in the first car. They got really lucky that Cassie was in the second car, because then she could, you know... Doesn't she jump on the third? Uh, no, maybe you know, that didn't happen. I don't truly remember. But I, I think suffice it to say 
suffice it to say suffice to say suffice Reg- to say? irregardless uh the final the, truck the f- scene is great it's like fast and furious quality like good fast and furious movie quality like the fact that and i know that this is cheesy and dumb but i like that the hurricane after it shows its true skullish face oh my god uh, yeah it shows up again oh it rips the doors off of the back of Corn- connor's semi-truck takes the money he leans out and says damn you not at the people who have sealed his fate but at the hurricane that is taking his money and says damn you my money so good yeah he's mad at the hurricane not not the not people, people. who sentenced him to die by hurricane right solidifying my theory that the hurricane is the actual antagonist and everyone else is a protagonist everyone in the movie is a protagonist um okay, except wait. the hurricane which I has think- a face and is a character i was just rem- reminded of one thing by looking over my notes the final truck scene is great john the setting for the final trek scene is problematic. Uh, is it? Are we? Do we have another longest? Uh, no, it's not that. No, it's not. It's not the longest. What's the runway in history from Fast Six or whatever? No, it's not that. Um, it's kind of like that. The, this final sequence with the three trucks happens on, and I counted an eight-lane highway. <laughs> Oh, an eight-lane highway in a town with one mall? So why in the world was everyone going down a two-lane country road? <laughs> where, yeah, why were they going down a country road flanked by CGI palm trees? Not palm trees, pine trees. Where, where Cassie had to disable three cars in a road to get out and go through a farmer's tobacco field to get into the city. Why wasn't everyone just going down the eight-lane highway? <laughs> Well, I've got the answer for you. What? What is it? Toll toll road. Toll road? Yeah, no one wanted to pay the toll. Okay, so the bad guys figured, we've got $600 million now. We can finally, finally, we can afford this toll. Yeah, and they know, they have a little sticker that'll it'll capture them on the cameras. Uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. That's a really good point, though. Would you really carry 600 million dollars in just 18 wheelers i mean i don't know i have stories from friends who are truckers and apparently that is straight up what they do is they load a bunch of old cash okay into but here's the problem well i mean i'm not a trucker and this might be apocrypha so don't blame me if this is accurate it's actually loaded into like a commercial trucking like the ones who like transport anything else so it just looks like a civilian vehicle okay well, civilian uh, it looks like a you know 18 wheeler that would be carrying like you know yeah paper or chickens or whatever uh, I, I but in plain sight yeah the only difference is that when you're transporting money they apparently have an mp who has a gun who sits in the cab with you and then there's another mp with a gun in the back who they- has like a mounted machine gun that, well, okay, not the mounting machine gun, but like that was – they kind of showed that in the beginning of the movie because, uh, you know, Cassie, I guess, was the MP in the cabin and then they had two guys in the back with the money. Oh, yeah. So so yep. I, I, think, I feel like that, that, that speaks to truth. Was Connor uh, just a truck driver or was he like a treasury person? 
I think he was the same rank or, or this of the same file as Cassie. Okay. Yeah, so I guess the only thing they were missing is that it would have been like a like a regular commercial thing and the driver would have been a regular commercial driver. But other right. than that, relatively accurate. And I might be wrong about that, but it seemed like he wasn't just a commercial driver, but I I, I don't know. You know, because it he, seemed like they knew each other and he knew his way around the federal like people in the Federal Reserve knew him. Right. So that would be odd. Right. But yeah, uh, I don't know. Apparently they like blow through way stations and then if cops try to stop them, the MP will just like aim a gun at them and show them their badge and the cops just have to leave. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. I would love to hear more. Apparently Um, the military police pull rank over the regular police. Who knew? That's crazy. We should get your, one of your friends on the podcast sometime. Ah, they would have been perfect to talk about the hurricane heist. They would have to have watched the movie. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to inflict that on them. Right. Oh. Um. Don't watch this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait. Uh, I think we should probably talk about our feelings about the movie. All right, all right. I think now is the time. It's not crass. We've talked about its merits. Yes. And it's And I I can tell that both of us have our, like, weird energy flagging post 9 p.m. thing going on or at least i can feel that in myself i yeah i mean you're not wrong and i am eyeing the time and i'm like okay maybe it's time um hurricane heist what are our feelings about it okay so we know we have to rank it in the time-honored tradition of like it love it gotta have it because as we discussed when we first instituted this scale, we wouldn't put something in a supplemental reading that we didn't like. I thought, I, no, I thought we changed it to something else. I think we said, I think at first it was buy oh, it, rent, rent it, it, love it, or something. I think it's, oh, it is like it, love it, gotta have it. Like it, love it, gotta have it. I'm willing to make adjustments to the scale since yeah, this is an unprecedented, one might say, category five event. Yeah, we should definitely. Okay, new new additions are being accepted right now. By the way, this movie was initially called Category Five, which is a way cooler name for this movie. That is a way cooler name. The Hurricane Heist set me up to believe, and the fact that it was directed by. Uh, fast five, fast, the fast and the furious guy made me believe we were going to find a group of lovable scamps who were going to rob a treasury during a hurricane. And the movie is not that. So the title should be changed. I feel like if you put heist in the title, the protagonist should be the ones doing the heist. Heist sounds harmless. It makes it sound like, oh, the heist is going to be a fun thing. Category five sounds like who knows what's going to happen. This yeah. is a category five. It, it becomes much more of like an action thriller. Category uh, five like is, is, is definitely better. the better name. It's way better. Naming this the hurricane heist would be like naming the sting the sting, but it's all about... The guys who get stung. Exactly. I think exactly. I follow. So adjustments to the scale. Yeah, adjustments to the is scale. There, is there anything... I mean, is there any 
thing that we could levy as criticism that falls outside the well-defined boundaries of like it, love it, gotta have it? Not avoiding all biases. The like it, love it, gotta have it scale is overwhelmingly negative. Positive. <laughs> You're right. It is negative. Uh, yes, it is. It is overwhelmingly positive. Also, one one might question what the meaningful, critical difference is between love it and gotta have it. I want to say we had a different scale, but it, it was buy it, rent it. I thought gotta have more of it was like the final. Yeah, Extra maybe. Long. Like, gotta have more of it as, like, you want to see equally. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, how about a new scale going from here forward? Never want to see it again. Yes. Would rewatch and gotta have more of it. As in, like, would... I want a sequel. Okay. Would rewatch, gotta have more of it. Okay. Is, but that... is, there, is there still like it? Okay. 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 Four pronged scale. Wait, no, I want to I want to give you an opposite hypothesis, an alternate hypothesis. Okay. A mirror scale. What? So like it lo- like it love it got to have it. Obviously, it's positive. That's our like greater okay. than like 50%. But below it, we have the negative scale, which is dislike it, loathe it, got to get away from it. What's the difference between loathe it and got to get away from it? Ah, uh, damn it. <laughs> I like the problem. Okay. It's mirrored, so it has the exact same flaws of its predecessor. Okay. Okay. Then it's fair, because both sides... So you got the like it, love it, gotta have it. More of it. Whatever. Whatever yeah. you said. Okay. No, no, no. Dislike it, loathe it, gotta have less of it. Yes. Absolutely. Because the gotta have more of it is like sequel. Gotta have less of it is like, I wish this didn't exist. Yeah, it's like, take away what I have seen. Yes, give me back my hour and 42 minutes, etc. Yeah. All right. This is now, yeah, six-point scale. From from the, the extremes, gotta have less of it to gotta have more of it. I love it. This is great. Yeah. With that in mind, I gotta say, I, I don't want to disparage artists from doing the work they have to do to make ends meet. So for me, this is a loathe it. Okay, stronger than a dislike it. Stronger than a dislike it. I don't wish it didn't exist because there are good moments. There's some strong stuff here. And I, I think with more time, it could have been refined into an even better version of itself. It mm-hmm. needed revision. Yeah. And it didn't get that revision and that's where it is. So loathe it because the premise is still pretty strong and the characters are okay. It could have been better. The final Trek scene was really great and I wouldn't want to live in a world without that great truck scene in the very end. And unfortunately, there is not something on the negative end of the scale, which is gotta have a different version of it. Unfortunately, no. Now, for me personally, I'm actually going to... It's tough. Because like you said, a lot of people who made this movie were probably making the best decision possible. 
And I actually, I, I liked the truck scene. I liked all the shootouts. And there's quite a bit of this movie I enjoyed. Um, I was considering breaking rank and saying like it. But I don't think that's true. And it is also stained by not only the uh, direction of, but also the presence of. He plays a character. That's right. Rob Cohen has continued his trend of playing characters in all the movies he directs. Uh, so since it is directed by a creep and there is a creep in it, I'm going to uh, downgrade my like it to a dislike it. Okay. Okay. I don't loathe it. I appreciate on some level what it was trying to do. So Rob Cohen was in this movie somewhere? He was when Chief Dixon, Sheriff Dixon, whatever, was evacuating the town. He drives up in a pickup truck. He's like, oh, Sheriff, you mean we got to leave? Oh, that was him? I that thought that him. scene was so pointless. Yeah, it, it was pointless because a pointless man was in it. All right. <laughs> From this point on, John, we, we yes. got to make a solemn vow for zero credits. Yes. You're ready to make a solemn vow? I mean, depending on the content of the vow, yes. Just follow me on blind faith. That's all I ask from you. Okay. Uh, From this point on, we will not do supplemental readings of movies that just so happen to have the same font as Fast and the Furious. Oof. I feel like this is a a real learning experience for us. I mean, I want to clarify... Do we mean, I want to weigh all the evidence here, because we did make a decision just because it had the same font treatment, and it did break the supplemental reading formula to a point where we needed to invent a, a reverse mirror scale <laughs> to to uh, to indicate how much we did not like this movie. But are we saying that we cannot do supplemental readings of movies that use the Fast and Furious font treatment that aren't Fast and Furious movies, or that can't be the primary reason why we do a supplemental reading of them? That can't be the primary reason. Okay, I think I can agree to that. It's a tough sell, but I get yeah. it. I went into this movie expecting a bloodshot kind of experience where... I expect nothing and I get surprised and wowed a little bit. It, it, it's occurring to me that that is going to be a very rare occurrence. Bloodshot is a, ver- a rarefied breed. And uh, if I watch just your average run-of-the-mill action movie, I'm going to get my average run-of-the-mill action movie more times than not. I, I think that is fair to say. Bloodshot is very much one of a kind. Yeah. So we cannot supplemental reading a film based solely on the font it uses from here on out. Because until this point, John, we've supplemental reading, reading, read, we've supplementally read all things that have some cultural significance. This is the first time where I feel like we haven't done that. Yeah, this is, I think this is the first time that we've broken so strongly from the formula. And I apologize, but uh, I hope you all enjoyed our dismantling of this movie. And uh, stay tuned for some supplemental readings with actual merit in the future. 
Yeah, stay tuned for, since we are talking about things that are culturally relevant, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Zero Credits and the forthcoming supplemental readings of Justice League, culturally relevant, Justice League, the Snyder Cut, culturally relevant, and the big one, the thing that we are hanging our hat on, we are resting our laurels on, that's not right, Uh, we are hitching our horses to for a 2020 run. 2020 run 2021 21 what that's right the summer of kong no they're mostly godzilla movies the summer of godzilla the summer of godzilla which honestly i feel like is a long time coming for this podcast anyway since we're both really big godzilla fans we really probably could have had a pretty successful podcast if we both just watched every godzilla and large monster movie kaiju yeah. Would it end with Pacific Rim or would we go further? Oh, they're in they're all in order of release. Okay, okay. We'd watch the first Godzilla movie. Now the, we'd also have to watch like them, the giant ant movie. Oh, I think them. That, I, I think that that podcast would perform really well. What a shame we're doing this one. It's a shame we're not famous for one. What a what a shame we didn't have a podcast called the Nope, can't call it the guy juice. No, <laughs> can't call it that. Kaiju guy, kaiju guys. Yeah. Oh, like hi, you guys. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's nothing left but to wrap up the supplemental reading. Um, Hurricane Heist. What can be said? What can be said? You know, we've yes, learned a lot a today. Movie, it's a movie so good it broke our rating system and made us question the merit of our very podcast. Right. And so, you know, I feel like there's a saying out there that's like, do something that scares you every day. And what scares me is watching the Hurricane Heist. So we did it. Yeah, we conquered our fears. We conquered our fears and there's nothing left. But to roll out the red carpet for our subscribers, I feel like that's a that's hot ones. I'm I'm quoting hot ones. Okay. Boy, this wing sure is spicy. You want me to do it or you intro? Oh, I don't know what's happening right. here. I don't know what's oh, happening. Oh man, it's interesting that this almost always falls on me to edit a supplemental reading. It's but it's me not this, this it's time. Me this time. So I will do the social media. Uh, and remember, for a supplemental reading, we play it straight. So no fucking games. If you want to contact us on Twitter, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. That stands for Zero Credits Podcast with Henry John. Uh, you can email us to email at zerocredits.net. The forwarding is working. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for Zero Credits in the Apple Podcasts section of Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, which is apparently a way that a lot of people listen to podcasts. It has started like recommending me podcasts, and for the most part, they're not very good. Uh, but... <laughs> Hopefully you've been recommended this not very good podcast on Spotify that you found by searching for Zero Credits Podcast on Spotify, potentially in the podcast section. 
listening to us on Spotify or leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts is one of the best ways people can learn about the show. But the best way is for you to tell all of your friends because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So if you, let's say, for instance, your father was murdered by a skull storm and you have become... Uh, a meteorologist named Will Rutledge, who has an awesome truck that we should have talked about more. It has a peanut butter and jelly compartment. And he has like, he writes also, does he just eat like one peanut butter and jelly sandwich a day? There's no way he's, he's like 210 pounds. Like, I don't know. He's going to eat more than that. Right. He's going to have like protein powder in that thing. Uh, Anyway, if you're that person I just described with your sandwich car, uh, you, you should hop on your National Weather Service radio and let all your friends know about the podcast so they, too, uh, can listen to the podcast while they are threatening to shred people in a Federal Reserve facility. And from everyone here from the Zero Credits Supplemental Reading Library, we want to wish you a happy week. Good hurricane by... Good hurabai, hurabai, lullaby. Hurabai, gaijus. No, (laughs) that cannot be the final word. Hear me out, gaijus. Maybe? (laughs) No, definitely not. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. 